Hi everyone, my name is Sofia Huerta and I play professional soccer for the OL Reign and you are listening to Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Boom. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode 135 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Uh, man, I cannot put, the, I would say I could not put the past week into words, but that's kind of the whole point of the show, isn't it? Um yeah, With that being said, you've just heard uh, another voice. It's not just me today. Our friend Bennett is here. He's taken some time out of his schedule. He actually just got back from a theater. So a young man is, is throwing himself in here, has to, has to cook din din. So we'll yeah. get right to it. We're jumping right into the Seahawks here. Uh, man, I, I mean, there's no simpler way to put it. Uh, kind of touched on it live last week. Um, on the eighth of the month, the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, Denver receiving Wilson along with a fourth round pick from Seattle, Seattle receiving quarterback, Drew Locke, tight end, Noah Fant, the lineman Shelby Harris, two first round picks, two second round picks and a fifth rounder. Uh, DK Metcalf would react saying, man, this one hurt. Uh, well it ties into Bobby Wagner's release. So we'll get to that in a second. Uh, these two men have taught me so much, not only about football, but about life. Uh, before we get into thoughts, Bennett, uh, I'm sure you've seen it by now, but there is some related news to this. There were rumors about the trade leaking. Uh, quote, Wilson felt that the team's personnel misses and devotion to Pete Carroll's old school offensive philosophy were holding him back and damaging his legacy. Carroll wasn't going to abandon the formula that Wilson and the Seahawks had used to claim the only Super Bowl title in franchise history. It was only a matter of time before the marriage ended. Seattle was reportedly wary of the drama and sub, uh, subterfuge. How do you say that word, Bennett? Subterfuge. Yeah, uh, growing frustrated with the stream of leaks about the unhappiness from the quarterback side uh, and teammates felt like he had checked out. Um, the Washington commanders had reportedly offered three first rounders for Wilson in their trade package. Um, and you know, with, with acquiring the number nine overall pick, uh, quarterbacks like Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis are considered top targets. So man, I mean, I, I saw the damn thing live. Uh, you know, you've had, we've had a week to stir in it. What, what are, what are your thoughts about just, just the Russell Wilson trade overall? Um, well, okay, let's get this out of the way first. Um, you, you can't necessarily take sides. Um, this is the thing that, I, I mean, I always say this, and I think it's true, and I think a lot of football players say this too, and hell, I might even be on record on this podcast saying the opposite, but at the end of the, at the, end of the day, it is business. And it is a game, you know. There's two sides to this. It is the emotion behind it is is bad, you know. It doesn't feel great, especially with all these other reports coming out about Russell being kind of flippant in his last season here. Um, the coaches not, you know, melding with his vision of the team, so on and so forth. The disagreements, the bloody part of the breakup is not great. However, you know, um, this is a move that will change the course of the team's imminent history. It isn't something that... I suppose it isn't something you can negative or positive quite yet, 
I think obviously everybody's gut reaction will be negative. My gut reaction is negative. I think it's devastating to not only uh, the football team, but in a lot of different ways, the city of Seattle. You know, when you have a sports celebrity like Russell Wilson, there's a difference between an athlete and a celebrity. And I think Russell Wilson, you know, covers both of those. So he's a sports celebrity in my book, just like Steph is for uh, Golden State and LeBron James is for wherever the money is. Um, you know, he, he represents something greater than the football team he plays for, and he represents greater than something he's on the field. So it's devastating that he leaves a team, but only time will tell if the Seahawks can bounce back from this. It, it's not impossible. We've seen teams lose quarterbacks and, you know, have decent years afterwards. Uh, namely, usually, because they get another big-name quarterback, um, a la... You know what? This is kind of weird. A la Denver, really. I mean, that's kind of what they do. They lose their quarterback. They lose... uh, Who the hell they lose before Manning? Anyways, they lose whoever they had before Manning. They get Manning. They lose Manning. They get Wilson. So, it's not the end of the world. I don't know what the solution is, but gut reaction, it is quite saddening and disappointing to see Russell leave this way. Um, Always thought he'd retire here. And I guess he still could, technically. But um, if he's a Hall of Famer, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what jersey's going to hit. God. It very much gives me Griffey vibes, in the, the, the way you mentioned that. Well, yeah. yeah, you get what I mean. I mean, this is, the, this is one of those keystone moments. This is, this is just as big as Griffey leaving. This is just as big as, you know, Martinez retiring. Uh, this is just as big as Ichiro's departure. And the only reason I'm dancing around football is because I don't think we've had a football celebrity as big as Wilson ever, period, in our entire existence. You know, 70. Celebrity? No. I mean, no. Hasselbeck leaving, kind of, and Rice retiring, kind of. Uh, Sherm leaving, maybe. But, uh, you know, nothing like this. So, it's pretty landmark, pretty monumental. Yeah, I mean, uh, Man, it, it, I think you bring up a good point. Um, like, you, you talk about the celebrity part. It's not like Russell Wilson was just a guy that came, was only involved in the team, and then, you know, went home. Mm-hmm. You know how you talk about Seattle Children's, and uh, he won a, a different award, uh, the Bart Starr Award this past year for, yeah. uh, you know, I think his service. Um, Walter Payton Man of the Year, right? This is a guy that obviously invested time in the community here and, you know, set some some roots down in Seattle. Um, yeah, I think initial, you know, knee-jerk reaction, this sucks. I think uh, my thoughts on it are you lose a top 10 caliber quarterback. Uh, like top 20 all time, even. Yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is not you know. I mean, when healthy, top five, you know. Yeah, I mean, this um, is not a guy that this is not Tony Romo. <laughs> you know what I mean? God, like local celebrity and all, national celebrity and all, but his departure at the end of the day was probably best for the team. That's not this situation. So that losing a known commodity, like now, I I don't have any. For for years, it was always okay. Quarterback's fine. Okay, move move to the next position, right? Now that's not the case. And essentially, we've seen that 
for for years and years now. Like if you go back, I guess to the Ravens' first Super Bowl. If, ah, fuck if I remember. I think it was Trent Dilfer was the goddamn quarterback. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't do that nowadays. You cannot do that. You cannot have a quarterback that is below average or even necessarily average and expect to win a Super Bowl. You're going to need a guy in like a Mahomes, uh, Stafford. Stafford's a good quarterback. Brady, obviously, right? And we'll touch on that in league news. But you see what I mean, right? I mean, it's very hard to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback that is not good to great. Um so that's it's it's you lose a known commodity, you lose a local celebrity. And the reason to me why Bobby hurt more was that these talks have been on the table, you know, in in at least in terms of just talk, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh since what? The 2000 uh February of 2020 when uh, there yeah. were talks about uh Russell being unhappy, you know? Um, and from what I understand was that John Schneider had grown increasingly frustrated with Russell's agent, Mark Rogers. Um, and so I'm sure that he's much uh, happier now that he doesn't have to deal with that shit storm. Um, but I mean, we, we have, we've had to talk about this for, for I mean, years now, right. Where it's, Oh, we, I was, what I always, I went off known, known fact. I said, hey, Pete Carroll and John Schneider on March 2nd at the Combine said the quarterback is not going anywhere. We don't put the quarterback in trade talks. We answer the phone, but we say we're not moving the quarterback. I did get clowned on it. You know, the CSS on Converge uh, Seahawks segment, I got some comments. This aged beautifully. Lamau uh, on Twitter, uh, his at was annoying Niners fans, so that gives you all you need to know. Um, but he said it was just crying emojis. I was like, okay, but you know, and again, you're going to be wrong in this business. That's just how it works. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think we'll be the first to admit that we were wrong on this, but I think, um, I mean, this is probably one of the, one of the biggest landmark moves that wasn't necessarily precipitated in any way that, it wouldn't be surprising. I think everybody was surprised by this. I I think if you're somebody who looked at this trade and went, yeah, makes sense, uh, you're fucking kidding yourself. Uh, if you're a Seattle fan, especially. Um, the evidence was not pointing this away. Not the evidence that we had available. Like you said, you know, you play with the facts that are available to us. We're not insiders. Um, but then again, neither is Sad Niners fan on uh, Twitter. So... I'm just saying it's you can't precipitate anything like this. Yeah, uh, it, it's hard to fathom, but the way that my dad immediately took it was, hey, you lose you, you, you clear a lot of cap space off the books. Um, and, you know, with with the Rogers deal was shot down by Rogers. He said, that's not a deal that I signed, um, but you don't look at Russell Wilson, you know, and, and granted he doesn't suffer like some horrible injury, right? Uh, say he has a solid year in Denver this year, right? You don't mm-hmm. think he's, when that contract comes up, you don't think he's going to want big money, like 40 million plus. He's right. going to want that. And John Schneider 
and or Pete Carroll were not going to give him that. I doubt they would. And granted that the salary cap's going to go up next year, it's, it, it does become hurtful, you know, at a certain yeah. point in time. And even Green Bay, you know, whatever ungodly amount of money he gets, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, is going to hurt Devontae Adams' contract, I bet, right? And they just signed Devondre Campbell to a five-year, $50 million deal. Um at Green Bay, you know, they're going to have flaws on their roster because of that. Yeah. You know, yep. I beat it so. just like we did when we restructured Russ's deal. Yep. You know, I mean, you want to talk about the O line. A lot of people pointed to his contract for that. And, that, you know, but so. Um, so we'll finish with Russ when we move over to the release that hurt me more. Um, later in the day, uh, the Seahawks announced that they were going to release all pro linebacker Bobby Wagner. So Wagner has entered free agency. Uh, from what I can fathom, it was likely a cap hit, uh, like the Dudu's cap hit in Seattle wanting to go in a new direction. I'm sure that perhaps Jordan Brooks' emergence could play a role in that. Uh, right. Wagner said that Seattle did not tell him at first that he was being released. Uh, so you might not like this, and you might have seen this already, Bennett, but – um, the list of teams I have here that are eyeing Wagner on top of probably all of the league um, are all of the NFC West and the Cowboys. Uh, Dallas has contacted Wagner uh, about reuniting with his old defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. Um, see, with with the, the Wilson trade, I could maybe fathom that you wanted to get him off the books. You wanted to get rid of the issue that he maybe already wanted out um, and just get that taken care of. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I could fathom that if you're going to, you know, find a way to get a new quarterback right there. Releasing Bobby Wagner uh, tells me that you probably are going to launch into somewhat of a rebuild. Now with the moves that have been made today, um, as well as what might happen this upcoming week, we might be looking at some bizarre version of a John Schneider, Pete Carroll, quick fix. Um, I don't know. I just can't fathom it. I know that even in December, Wagner said that, you know, through the winning and the losing, uh, he wants to be a Seahawk and he wants to be in Seattle. And he doubled down on that several times. Um, I wonder if this is a situation where one of those guys approached Wagner and said, Hey, uh, can we restructure your your deal? And in the chance that Wagner says, no, is, is this how we ended up here? Or did Seattle just say, we're going to go a new direction. Uh, You're getting older. Jordan Brooks is here as you know, bye. I, I don't know. How do you, how do you look at it? I have no idea. Like, I, this one is probably more bewildering to me than Russell's by far. I mean, uh, this one, I mean, this guy is probably my second favorite Seahawk all time. Um, so to I can agree about, with you on that. To think about this in terms of, like, sense, I mean, the only sense you can make of it is that they trust Jordan Brooks enough to take that role i don't know if i do i mean he played fine but i don't know if he's the bobby wagner replacement at least not yet 
Yeah. You know? I mean, and, and that's the thing. Look at the looking at the tackle total is great. Um, but it's his second year. I know that he can learn a lot more. And you don't think that, again, playing with a Bobby Wagner is not invaluable experience, let alone right. having Bobby Wagner in the locker room in general. You know, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I just couldn't fathom it. And unless, unless they, they, they came to him and they wanted to restructure that deal and he like said no and gave them the bird like Earl Thomas did, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And it's not exactly like uh, either of them have commented on, I mean, they said, oh, we thank Bobby for his, you know, blah, 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 bullshit. I want to know what's going on. And that's the issue is I would like to know the plan. And I don't know the plan right now. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had day one of uh, no tampering for free agency. And there were some moves that will be set into place when the league year takes place on the 16th. Um, but, you know, I mean, those, you just brought back a few guys that I was thinking you would bring back. Um, you didn't go out there and make a splash like whatever the hell Jacksonville is doing over there. <laughs> um you know, I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea if you're going into rebuild or quick fixing it. People have pointed to, oh, maybe they'll trade Tyler Lockett. I doubt that because I think there's a, from what I understand, he's going to have a big cap hit if you trade him. And I don't think you want to, I don't know if Seattle wants to do that unless, you know, they find a team. I don't know. And then there, then the other one next in line, people thought was DK Metcalf. I think that depends on him and what you do. Are you telling him, hey, we're going to bring in, if you're looking at the draft, say we're going to bring in the guy that I've fallen uh, into believing in is Malik Willis. So, you know, we'll run with that, okay? Say, hey, we're going to bring in this young quarterback. Stud a little bit. Huh? I said stud a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what do you think about staying here, riding with us as we go through this? And I think that's up to DK. Um, you know, and it's interesting to be in a position where DK's future is in his fate. Yeah. Or, you know, it's in his hands, you know, and it's cool. Because, like, that's great for a player. But I don't know if that's going to shake out all that great for the Seahawks. I, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't have you know, confidence in that. At so. the end of the day, what was anchoring him here, I think and I hate to say it's what DK, but it is the chance to win a championship while he's in his prime. He's probably going to hit his prime in about two years here. I don't think we'll be ready. Yeah. I mean, unless, unless something happens, uh, you know, I don't, uh, again, it, it, I think that this week and perhaps the, the rest of this month, month, month of March will tell me, what direction Seattle is going in, but right now I'm bum fuzzled. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't know. I just, it's hard to parse out. I mean, if this is indeed a rebuild. Yeah. You know, so before I let you continue that thought, let's, let's, let's go through what, what Seattle did on the right. 12th and the 14th. So on the 12th, they tendered offensive guard, Phil Haynes. I don't think that has too much, value on anything he inserted two games last season uh he's going to receive an original round restricted free agent tender that's worth 2.454 million 
I thought that when there was, there was a tweet about it in the offseason that Haynes was trying out for center. And I said, please, God, let Phil Haynes be good at center. And I don't think he was because uh, we got another year of Ethan Pochich and Kyle Fuller, and I hate both of them. Um, so that's a center. Well, center. That's a position of need. We'll get into the free agency thing. Uh, but then on the 14th, uh, so the Seahawks started the tampering window hot. The team re-signed uh, free safety Quandre Diggs to a three-year deal, uh, $40 million. Diggs, two-time pro bowler, last two seasons has led Seattle in interceptions with 10, adding 17 pass deflections to that, 94 tackles last season. The team re-signed Big Al Woods for a, on a two-year $9 million deal. Big part of the reason that Seattle performed well in the run defense uh, for the most part. Uh, he's set to turn... 35 this year. So note that <laughs> uh, the team re-signed Sidney Jones on a one-year $3.6 million deal that could shoot up to $4.4 million with incentives. Started 11 games for Seattle last season, including the last seven games of the year. Uh, former UW standout, the team re-signed Will Disley to a three-year $24 million deal, which is probably the most interesting money-wise. Uh, it's his fifth year in the league, all with Seattle. Interesting considering the money and the acquisition of Noah Fant. Um, do you have uh, quick hits on any of those? <laughs> no. We, we were, he's trade bait. I mean, pretty, you know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, well, we, we, we saw what, year one, and we thought, holy, you know, this is this guy. Whoa, man. You know? No, I, I don't thinking. mean, I don't mean Disley. I don't mean Disley. Oh, who are you talking about? I, I think Fant's trade bait. Uh I I can't see him having a future on the Seahawks. Really? I I don't see him. I mean, we got Disley. I mean, Everett's that means Everett's walking pretty clearly. Oh yeah. Um which mm, I would have picked Everett over Disley if we're being I would have picked honest. Everett over Disley too cuz he has a little more moxie and a little more experience, but more athletic. More athletic and he probably'll stay alive a little longer, but wow. <laughs> Um you know what I mean. He won't get injured like yeah, fucking yeah, two yeah. games in the season. And you know, Disley, if he can have a healthy season, he can ramp that production up just a little bit. Uh, then whatever. But I don't think we need Fant. That might be the weirdest. I don't know if Denver was just playing Madden. You know what I mean? Where you're trading for a player and the Madden bar is saying you can't. Nope, that's red because that trade doesn't make sense for the other team. Put the tight end in there. Okay. You just gotta throw someone in there. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, they'll probably accept that. And then they accept the trades. I feel like he was that player. I just, I don't see the Seahawks actually needing him, which is probably why the Seahawks haven't been like, welcome, Noah Fant. Well, I don't think they can do that until the league year officially begins on the 16th. Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, yeah, they haven't even officially acknowledged. Because, like, releasing, that's different, different than the trade. Trades have to be official. Yeah, because Russell but, can post all he wants, but the team I don't think can. I just find it really interesting because I just feel like I don't know. We don't need fan. We don't see now. If you looked at it and for some some reason we were able to acquire him without trading Russell, you'd think, hey, you've got a you got a tight end with that's young and got some upside. Yeah, um, but obviously that's not the case. So it's like to me the way I look at it is okay. At the moment, the way that we sit here at 11.30 p.m. on March 14th, 2022, you've got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Noah Fant, Will Disley, um, well, Rashad Penny is a free agent. Uh, 
uh, Chris Carson, right? That's a pretty solid group of offensive players when healthy. Um, Who the hell is throwing them the ball? Yeah, and that's part of the thing. Like you said, please don't defend Rulak. I will shit myself. And like you said, there's no shot in this league right now. And you can you can argue with me up and down, left and right, but there's no shot that in this league right now you succeed without an upper echelon quarterback. What are the teams that struggled this year? What are the teams that struggled this year? They're the teams with either middling quarterbacks or quarterbacks who are young and don't exactly know how to operate in the NFL yet. Uh, I mean, look at any division. Their bottom team is the team with the worst quarterback. It correlates pretty easily. Um, maybe not the AFC North, but like it's just it's hard to make it in this league right now. Uh, it's nigh impossible to make it in this league right now without having, you know, a field general who can really make this team work. And you're not going to do that with Drew Locke. And quite frankly, and I hate to say this, but you're not going to do it with anybody you draft in the next two years. Probably so not. We're not looking at the most amazing QB classes coming up. No, Scott's have said this is one of the worst in years. So whatever we're looking for, it's not in front of us. And unless we make another big splash with, I don't know who the fuck is going to trade us a quarterback right now. Nobody... Nobody in the AFC, you know what I mean? Probably not. No one, or no, sorry, no in the NFC, I should say. Oh, okay. I was like, no oh. one in the NFC. Like, nobody in the NFC. It, it, if you're in the NFC, you're celebrating because Seattle's going to have another off year, especially if you're in the NFC West. So it's just, it's, 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 it's a precarious situation because it's hard to say we're even in rebuild mode because there's no pieces for us to really rebuild with yet that I'm confident will stay on our team for more than the next two years. Well, and that's the thing. Um, Evan, Evan Hill is an interesting man. Um, sure. uh, you know, cause, cause with, with Wagner being released and the Wilson trade, uh, the Wilson trade didn't do much uh, cap space wise, um, but you're already going to have 34, I believe 34 million prior to those deals being made. Um, you're supposed to be around 51. Uh, and I haven't put into account that with the newest guys. Right. But the point was made with, you know, if, if you're going to rebuild and if you've got these two new first round picks or whatever, and I think a, a few second rounders you've got, um, as well as that cap space. And if we were to take it into rebuild consideration and look at next year, what in any sort of recent memory these last say three years what reason do i have to trust pete carroll and john schneider to use those resources to accurately rebuild things you might have caught lightning in a bottle with all of those things that you got drafting richard sherman late uh earl thomas was a high pick so ignore that uh cam chancellor right bruce Irvin was a guy nobody wanted uh, because of his off the field issues. Uh, Bobby Wagner was a guy that didn't go to the combine uh, and was considered undersized. Russell Wilson's a guy who was considered undersized. Marshawn Lynch was a guy who had off the field issues. Uh, Doug Baldwin was considered undersized. Um, Jermaine curse was considered undersized, you know, 
uh, Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill were veterans that nobody wanted. You know, it's, uh, you know, you, you might have gotten lucky. And that's going to happen in sports. You're going to need to get lo- the Mariners last year. I love my Mariners. I love baseball. You don't think they got really fucking lucky last year? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Um, so you're going to need to get lucky in sports. But you're also going to need to do your job correctly in order to get some of that luck. Pete Carroll and John Schneider in the draft and, you know, for recent years and the most part have not done that. Granted, Jordan Brooks probably, if Rashad Penny decides to stay healthy, uh, you know, decides to stay with the team, that too. Right. Uh, and while the, with the Ray are trading, treating guys on their way out, I don't know how that makes people feel. I just, uh, I had even, such a hard time believing that anybody really wants to be a part of this organization right now. Yeah, there you go. Now, maybe that's right. fatalist, but like it, it isn't like we're not the Legion of Boom days. I mean, yeah, not looking the at the last Boom. ten years, you know, for like the first half of this decade since we won the Super Bowl, we were a landmark team. We were a team that people wanted to come to and join and be a part of this culture we saw like the most random fucking heads come in too like dwight freeney mm-hmm. and like, like three devin games. hester not devin hester what was yeah. his name yeah devin hester the the run back specialist yep devin like hester. we had the weirdest people just coming out of the woodwork because they wanted to play for the hawks you know and we're not that anymore that culture is gone you know the winning culture is gone the why not us culture is gone um i don't think you know part of it is you have to appreciate it because we'll never experience it again but you also have to look at why we had that downfall and you have to look at particularly why the organizational elements of our team led us to this downfall yeah well something that uh i thought was pretty key was a few off seasons ago uh when seattle did have a pretty sizable amount of cap space and I th- again, go back to Evan, posted a good graphic about how Seattle used that cap space, you know, signing guys like BJ Finney, uh, making all these moves when you look at the other deals that were made around the league and you could have afforded a lot of, like, uh, shoot, I forgot his name. TJ Lang was a guy that I was really hoping we were going to acquire and you could have paid him with the money that you gave out in crap deals uh, to other teams, uh, to other players, you could have you paid him. You know, I don't, that's why, you know, with, with the trade and, you know, with the way this is, if we, when that ultimate, well, when we, that idea was looked at, whether it's Russell Wilson or it's Pete Carroll, there's many reasons why I, I pick Russell Wilson. And one of the reasons is because I don't trust those guys in the front office to sign the right players to the right contracts or Mm. draft the right players you know it's it's you haven't given me reason to you know since you got lucky in those first few years maybe right so it's uh it's tough to really have confidence in that but yeah with that being said it is now free agency um so with that being said i know i mentioned that bennett uh, has been busy uh so he will not be able to join us for free agency but we'll get into free agency here Uh, We look at, uh, so I have my, we have a couple things to look at. We have players to retain. We have players to let walk. 
We have players to target in free agency, both on the offensive and defensive side of the balls. Balls? Ball? Pardon me. Let's get to it. Players to retain. Uh, number one on my list was Quandre Diggs, and that happened. So we can go ahead and highlight that. Cornerback DJ Reed. DJ Reed, since being Clay, excuse me, off of waivers from the 49ers, has been a big part of the Seahawks defense, especially that cornerback. Excuse me, I burped and then I yawned. What a combination. Uh, has been a big part of the Seahawks defensive uh, defensive backfield, let alone the defense as a whole. So I think bringing back DJ Reed, if he wants to be here, um, is a is a big step in you know improving a defense. Unless you're in rebuild mode and you want to say screw it. Uh, running back Rashad Penny. I want to bring back Rashad Penny if it's on the right deal. Give him two years. I'd say ten to twelve million. I don't know how that compares to the running back market, but that's what I would do. Um, and then defensive back Ryan Neal. Ryan Neal is a free agent, uh, and he's been a valuable depth piece in that secondary and has, you know, stepped up uh, when he's needed to for this team. So I say, why not? Unless a team is going to give him starter money, then sure, let him go. Players to let walk. Uh, right tackle Brandon Shell. Uh, I don't think, I think Shell's been fine to good, uh, but not all that consistently. Uh, what's funny enough is that. Russell Wilson, you know, talking about wanting to be protected. Uh, there are reports that he has been recruiting Brandon Shell to Denver. So we will see how that goes. But I'm letting Brandon Shell walk either way. Center Ethan Pothit, Pothich, and center Kyle Fuller. Neither of these guys have been impressive. And center has been an area of weakness for Seattle uh, since I'd say maybe early Justin Britt's career or Max Unger, really, Max Unger, more, more so than anybody else. And running back Alex Collins. Collins has had several stints with Seattle, I'd say two to three. I think it's time to go. Uh, Collins is a guy that if you want to look at your backfield, if they stay healthy in Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, Alex Collins should not be on the roster, let alone getting carries. So uh, Collins, I think it is time to let that ship sail. Players to target in free agency, we obviously – we should start with the offensive line part, offensive tackle, a uh, few candidates that I'm looking. It really depends. You know, we look at the situation of quick fix or rebuild Dwayne Brown. What the hell does he want to do? Because for years uh, it was Seattle needs to protect Russell Wilson's blind side. Uh, Russell Okun, when he was here, maybe did the best job of it before Dwayne Brown got here and Okun got a lot of uh, holding penalties and false starts and which has overall caused pain to the team, no matter if he was protecting the blind side well or not. Uh, George Fant got thrown in there at times. Shit. I don't even remember a good amount of the names that were the left tackle. With that being said, Seattle traded for Dwayne Brown from Houston uh, was brought in to protect Russell Wilson did a good job, a solid job. Um, and essentially was like, Hey, I'm here to protect Russ. And he's getting up there in age. Now that Russell Wilson is not with the team, what the hell is going to happen with Dwayne Brown? Are you bringing in another quarterback and saying, Hey, Dwayne, I know that Russell's not here, but I found a good guy. I got a new guy. What do you say? Let's run it back. Uh, does he even want to do that? Or is it, Hey, Dwayne, Russell's not here. Uh, you're getting up there in age. Uh, we're going to let you pursue endeavors somewhere else. I don't know. It, 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 there's a big, what we're at a big crossroads right now. 
And I really do think that this upcoming week will tell me a lot about where Seattle will head in terms of that crossroads. So with that being said, you know, offensive tackle, who I'm looking at in free agency, uh, Mike Remmers, Morgan Moses, Trent Brown, Teron Armstead. All of those guys are good candidates uh, for perhaps either side of the offensive line. Teron Armstead is the one who interests me most because he's 30 uh, and the Saints are in cap hell. So I really doubt that they can retain him. We move over to the center spot of the offensive line. Uh, There's a few candidates, but one of them has to be taken off of the list because Tom Brady's back with Tampa Bay. Ryan Jensen is more than likely going to resign with Tampa Bay because Tom Brady is back. Um, A few candidates, and I'm not sure if these guys have been signed or not because of the fact that a lot happened today in the tampering windows, the first day officially being open. Um, Matt Paradis and Brian Allen are two guys that are solid. I think Brian Allen was signed, so that might be another name that uh, was taken off. Uh, but Paradis is a guy who started his career out in Denver, from what I remember. Um, or he might spend time with Denver and the Panthers. And, you know, with Russell Wilson going to Denver, I don't doubt um, Paradis going to Denver. So, uh, well, you know. So there's that. Um, but I think center is a position that you really need to improve on. Um, wide out. There were reports prior to Russell Wilson leaving that the Seahawks were looking for a third wide receiver to complement DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Now, I looked at a few guys that if we're looking at complementing would do so. I don't think there are some names in the free agency pool that uh, you might look at. Like I know that Bell looked at today on the CSS on Converge episode that I don't think would come here. Um, and unless you've got a quarterback, I don't think they'd want to come here. Uh, Keelan Cole, Dante Pettis, Deshaun Hamilton, and Mike Thomas, all guys who, you know, are not explosive caliber, but I think have the ability, have the talent, have the athleticism uh, to make plays and to complement those, you know, two guys in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But again, uh, it, it, it really depends on this crossroads that we're at. Edge slash pass rush. Um, as we head over here to the defensive side of the ball, it's a really interesting situation to look at. Um, I know that Clint Hearns has, I believe, talked about going to a three, four defense at times, not all the way, but, you know, addressing the pass rush is a need, no matter what Jadavian Clowney, you remember him, he's going to be on the market. Uh, Chandler Jones, Jones has said that free agency is not about the money, but looking for a team that maximizes his talents saying that scheme is huge. There are several uh, free agency predictions that have predicted Chandler Jones coming to Seattle. So keep an eye on that. That would be a huge deal uh, and would tremendously bolster the Seahawks pass rush. Dante Fowler Jr. is a young pass rusher uh, that could be a reclamation project for Pete Carroll. Hassan Reddick was on my list, but has been signed by the Eagles. Uh, Solomon Thomas was a high draft pick for the 49ers a few years ago, uh, spent last year in Vegas. Another, again, Pete Carroll reclamation project. Heading over to cornerback. Uh, this is where I might have gotten a little spendy. Uh, I was looking at Stefan Gilmore, Kyle Fuller, Kevin King, J.C. Jackson, and Justin Coleman. Now, J.C. Jackson signed a lucrative deal with the Chargers. Chargers will have a good defense next year. Uh, already signing Jackson, trading for Khalil Mack, and they already had a good defense. Uh, you know, pairing Khalil Mack with Joey Bosa, putting... J.C. Jackson in a secondary 
uh, with Derwin James, amongst others. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, Kyle Fuller were both guys that were rumored to uh, be related to trade talks with Seattle. Um, Kevin King is a guy that, you know, hasn't been stellar uh, in all of his time in the league, but is a Pete Carroll type of cornerback, tall, lanky guy. He's um, a UW product. I don't see why not. Uh, and then Justin Coleman. Justin Coleman is a guy who uh, had his reclamation project happen here in Seattle, had a great year, um, signed a big deal with Detroit, and now he's on the market again. Um, I don't see why you don't kick the tires on Justin Coleman. So that is our free agency preview. Kind of sped through that because of um, how big uh, the news has been with the Seahawks this week. And I don't want to sit here with like a two-hour episode um, as we go over things. Even the CSS on Converge episode today uh, ran a little bit long. So we will get to it as I adjust the notes here. Um, uh, in terms of league news on the eighth, the Packers were reportedly finalizing a deal with Aaron Rodgers. The initial announcement was a deal of four years, $200 million. Rodgers would later tweet and confirm that he is coming back, but denied that deal specifically was done. Uh, we have a list of the players who received the franchise tag around the NFL as the 8th of March was the deadline for the franchise tag. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs left tackle Orlando Brown Jr., Cleveland Browns tight end David Njoku, Cincinnati Bengals free safety Jesse Bates III, Miami Dolphins tight end Mike Gusecki, Dallas Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz, Jacksonville Jaguars left tackle Cam Robinson, Green Bay Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Chris Godwin. So the last two players uh, I have read reportedly do not want to sign the franchise tag and would like a actual deal made. So that is interesting to keep an eye on. I don't think either of them would end up in Seattle, but interesting just uh, for the league standpoint on the ninth Carson Wentz was traded to the Washington commanders. The commanders received a quarterback quarterback Carson Wentz, a second round pick and a seventh round pick. The Colts received a second round pick, two third round picks, um, and the second of the third round picks is 2023, and it is conditional. If Wentz uh, plays a certain amount of stats, snaps um, for Washington, I believe that pick turns into a second round pick. On the 11th, Joe Buck uh, will join Monday Night Football. Uh, the former Fox Sports, uh, longtime Fox Sports broadcaster, reunites with Troy Aikman at ESPN and will become the voice of Monday Night Football. Aikman says that Fox never made a counteroffer and only got in touch with him after he accepted his deal with ESPN. So Monday Night Football actually gets a good crew. Uh, Deshaun Watson was cleared of all criminal charges. Watson will not face charges from the alleged sexual assault and misconduct, uh, but will still face civil suits. To put it on the record, I do not want Russell Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson in a Seahawks uniform. Uh, When we talk about 24 different people accusing somebody of something, Something is not right. Um, Adam Schefter's tweet about the situation was disgusting. uh, And who in the world has 24 masseuses? Something's not right with that situation. And I'm not going to touch it with an 800 foot pole. Fuck off. Uh, On the 13th of the month, Tom Brady unretired. Um, The legendary quarterback announced on Twitter that he will return to the Buccaneers. So. (laughs) 
not a fan of that. So looking ahead for the Seahawks on the 16th of the month, the new league year begins. That is when free agency officially opens. That is when the deals that we spoke about with Seattle, whether it was Russell Wilson being traded, uh, those deals with Diggs, Disley, Jones, and Woods will all become official. Uh, expect to see, though, a lot of news coming free agency-wise in the NFL, perhaps even the day that this is announced, that this episode has dropped, uh, which will be the 15th, um, as well as the rest of the week. It will, as I'm saying, the rest of the week should really tell me what part of the crossroads the Seahawks are going down. So we head over to the Seattle Mariners here. Um, started with our lockout tracker on the ninth. Uh, another week of regular season games would be announced as canceled. Uh, another two series were removed from the schedule. Opening day was supposed to be postponed to April 14th at the time. On the 10th, the lockout officially came to an end. Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association reached a tentative agreement on the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, the opening day uh, date was moved to the 7th of April and a full 162 game schedule will be played. That obviously means that there will be double headers. Um, spring training opened with a voluntary 11th of the month date and a mandatory date of March 13th. Spring training games began begin on the 17th of the month. Free agency began immediately once the CBA was ratified. Uh, the playoffs expand from 10 to 12 teams. Uh, bases get larger. Um, um, do, 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 help me out here. Uh, pitch clock will be installed. Uh, the shift is banned. I know that there are reports of a ghost runner still um, floating around. I don't know if uh, we have anything official on that. I know that's just being talked about. The league is expected to keep the extra inning ghost runner rule. Um, but that hasn't been put into fully uh, put into stone yet. So we can get out of the lockout here. I can finally, oh, something fell. We can put, instead of MLB lockout next to the marriage, we can put free agency. Now, actually, spring training. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so in free agency on the 10th, the Players Association uh, said that free agency talks were extremely busy. The flurry of activity behind the scenes as MLB free agency began post-lockout. On the 11th, the Mariners had reportedly interest in three different players. Uh, the Mariners reportedly had competition for Chris Bryant. Uh, Bryce Harper was petitioning the Phillies to sign Chris Bryant, a good friend of his. Uh, it was also reported that the Rockies are interested in signing Chris Bryant. Uh, the Mariners were reportedly interested in Albert Pujols, the Mariners are amongst teams that have shown interest in signing Pujols. Uh, the Rockies and Cardinals were also interested. And then the Mariners were in a heated market for outfielder Seiya Suzuki. Seattle is one of many teams linked to the slugging outfielder from Japan. Uh, the San Francisco Giants, Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, Chicago Cubs, San Diego Padres, and Boston Red Sox were all linked to Suzuki. Uh, there were reports that Suzuki had already signed a deal with the Padres, but Suzuki himself uh, let's everyone know that nothing has been made official and he's not signed a deal yet. Um, some other guys that have been linked to this, uh, the Mariners, uh, Trevor Story. Uh, Story drawing interest now from the Yankees, Astros, Cardinals, and Guardians. All have reached out to the uh, free agents uh, shortstop. Uh, this was always going to be a long shot. Carlos Correa and the Astros reportedly uh, are in heavy talks. The 
Uh, Houston is pressing hard to bring back their free agent star. Um, so, I, I, you know, some uh, people floated the idea of uh, Correa becoming a Mariner, but I doubt that ever happening. Um, and on the 14th, as we were recording the CSS on Converge episode, uh, Seattle acquired two Cincinnati Reds, uh, outfielder Jesse Winker and third baseman Eugenio Suarez. The team acquired the all-star outfielder in Winker and the infielder Eugenio Suarez. The Cincinnati Reds trade package uh, would be right-handed pitcher Justin Dunn, outfielder Jake Fraley, left-handed pitcher Brandon Williamson, and a player to be named later or cash considerations. Now, it's highly unlikely that that player to be named later will tip the trade in the Reds' favor highly. Um, But this is a big deal. I know that the Poto had been talking about acquiring an outfielder, and this does that. and you're looking at you've got now a, another starting caliber third baseman. I know that there are concerns that Suarez is not that good defensively, uh, and he's n- not Chris Bryant, pretty much. Um, also, his contract is one thing. Uh, so, uh, you know, considering DePoto, Suarez very likely could be moved um, at any time now. Um, I think the main part was Winker. Uh, in terms of who Seattle sent, Justin Dunn, I'd say I would have liked to see him stay in Seattle and maybe rejuvenate himself a little bit, but it just didn't happen. Jake Freely, I never really had that many feelings for. I was never that big of a Jake Freely fan. I thought he was too inconsistent. Brandon Williamson is probably the player that I'm, I guess, hate losing the most but really he was the prospect um, out of all the player prospects that the Mariners have that I was the least concerned losing out on uh, and then the player to be named later again I don't really think that that should have too much weight on the trade itself it might just be a throw-in or a best case scenario it's going to be cash considerations um, so the winker news is the best news uh, from the week outside of the lockout actually ending in terms of league-related news, on the 11th of the month, the Home Run Derby, there could be a second Home Run Derby in the All-Star Game. Uh, the new collective bargaining agreement allows for a second Home Run Derby as a tiebreaker if the All-Star Game goes into extra innings. Canada will not allow unvaccinated players to play. Uh, the MLB, MLB players who choose to remain unvaccinated will be placed on the restricted list when their team travels to Toronto. Uh, and then Major League Baseball will not let Trevor Bauer pitch just yet, despite avoiding criminal charges, the Dodgers uh, pitcher reportedly remains on administrative leave following sexual assault allegations. On the 12th, the, to- Whoa. the Toronto Blue Jays signed Yusei Kikuchi to a three-year deal. So Kikuchi decided to bet on himself and not take the deal that the Mariners had offered him as a, uh, I think it was a player option, um, and is now on a good team uh, for a long-term deal. So good for Kikuchi. I don't blame him. I just don't think he worked out for us necessarily. Um, so looking ahead for Seattle, um, I didn't put it in the CSS on Converge episode, but we do have spring training games. Um, let me see if I can pull up the schedule really quick here. So, 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 so. Hmm. 
Aha. Spring training for the Mariners starts on the 18th at the San Diego Padres at 1 o'clock. Uh, let's finish out the weekend here on the 19th versus the Dodgers at 1 versus the Angels at 1 on the 20th. On the 21st versus the Diamondbacks at 1 o'clock. So we got some baseball. I know those are games are going to be on the radio, and I know Root Sports will televise some of them as well. This is your time to check out Homs Seattle. Homs has your back in the loving big brother kind of way. Uh, our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. Now, Homs has done something special. Uh, so a release is coming on the 16th, but also the fact that uh, the page has been cut down to seven posts uh, and featuring the everyday black hoodie. The spring 22 collection drops on Wednesday, the 16th. Um Got a few different modes here, sport mode, style mode, the everyday button down and everyday black hoodie, uh, a new Homs fleece and street mode. So there's a few different uh, things going on with Homs um, and that will be taking place. That drop will be taking place on the 16th. So as we head over to the Seattle Sounders here on the 8th of the month, the team welcome Club Leon to Seattle uh, for the first leg of the CONCACAF uh, Champions League quarterfinal. Seattle will win that game three to nothing. Two players of the game here. Number one, Freddie Montero with two goals, uh, three shots, two shots on target in 82 minutes. The second one being midfielder Christian Roldan with two assists, one shot, one shot on goal, a 69.7 pass percentage in 90 minutes. Both Roldan and Montero were named to the CONCACAF Champions League, excuse me, quarterfinals leg one, best 11. On the 12th, uh, the team welcomed the LA Galaxy to town. Uh, LA being 2-0 in their first two games. Seattle being 0-2 in their first two games in MLS. Seattle, Seattle would win that game 3-2. Play of the game would be defender Javier Arriaga scoring a goal. Uh, two shots, two, uh, one on target with a 90.3 pass percentage. Arriaga scored the game-winning goal in the 71st minute via header and would be named to the MLS uh, team of the week bench. Uh, so Seattle getting back on track here, hopefully, uh, two wins on the week, a big three Oh win against Lyon, uh, should really help, uh, hopefully advance in the, uh, champions league, uh, CONCACAF champions league. That is, um, just because you've got that three gold, uh, advantage on aggregate, but also you never know, uh, but also interesting to note because Lyon has had some internal issues. I know that their club uh, manager tried to resign, but the ownership declined it. Uh, Lyon lost to Tigris FC. Uh, it's, it's not the greatest situation in the world currently in Lyon. So uh, we'll see how that goes. So the Sounders moved to a one win, zero draw, two loss record. They are now 11th. Uh, in the Western Conference, as opposed to 14th. Uh, looking ahead for the Sounders on the 17th, the team travels to Lyon uh, to play the second leg of the CCL quarterfinals. That is a 5.30 p.m. start time. Seattle has a three-goal advantage on aggregate. It should be on Fox Sports. Whether that's on FS1 or FS2 is to be determined. Uh, and the other match upcoming for the Sounders, it's March 20th at Austin FC. Uh, with a 1.30 p.m. start time. Heading over to our Seattle Storm here. The only news that we have for the Storm isn't actually even related directly to the Storm itself. Um, 
the WNBA draft will be held in person this year. After two years of virtual drafts, the top prospects will once again gather in New York for the April 11th event. So that could be an important day. I know Seattle should have a few draft picks, but I'm not entirely sure how many that is. That will be something to uh, take a look into. This is your time to check out Maestro Athletics. Maestro uh, recently uh, signed uh, Portland State uh, Vikings defensive end and former O'Day alum VJ uh, Malo uh, to be their first athlete. Uh, so that's really exciting. They also released the new band Irish hoodie. Uh, that pre-order is available, I believe, until the 17th. Let me see if I can get that. Two more days. Um, yes. Uh, to the 17th. Wait, no, 16th, I guess. Um, so go and check that out. Uh, that is M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S.com, Maestro Athletics. They're also holding an event titled The World is Yours. That is May 6th. Uh, that was an event. Um, it's debuting BJ Malo's merchandise line. Uh, it will be a fashion show, and there will be a bunch of di- – there's already been a bunch of different uh, names involved in it as we head over to Maestro Media. Uh, the sponsors includes a few big names. J.P. Crawford's a sponsor, Soul Seattle, Beecher's Cheese, uh, Ball Out Room, uh black top smack talk uh so it's it's an event that um it, it, it's got some sponsors and it should be really interesting to see i'm intrigued to see um how that all plays out actually so we head over to our Seattle kraken here played three games over the past week to finish up their canadian road trip uh the first one march 8th at the toronto maple leafs losing that game four to six Player of the game for Seattle forward Colin Blackwell with a goal and assists, two points, a one plus minus, four shots on goal, two hits, and 15.8 minute, 15.808 seconds on ice. Uh, March 10th at the Ottawa Senators, losing that game three to four in overtime. Player of the game forward Ryan Donato with a goal, a point, a one plus minus, three shots on goal, and a give a uh, takeaway. Pardon me. Um, that game was really interesting because Seattle was down three goals uh, going into the final period and would score three goals in a flurry to send this game into overtime. Uh, Mark Giordano would give up a penalty in the overtime period, putting uh, the senators up four to three in the overtime period and Ottawa would score shortly after. Uh, and then March 12th at the Montreal Canadiens, Seattle would win that game four to three in an overtime shootout. That shootout would go into sudden death penalties. Uh, and in the seventh round of the shootout, Ryan, Ryan, uh, Marcus Johansson would score the game winning goal. Player of the game would be forward Ryan Donato with a goal, a point, a one plus minus three shots on goal and one takeaway. Um, so kind of an up and down week uh, game wise for the Kraken. Uh, I mean, I really can't complain too much as we continue down the stretch here. It's just important that uh, Seattle continues to make improvements and show progress. Um, I'd say that, you know, you play a tough game against the Maple Leafs. I'd say it's okay to lose to them. They're a good, uh, good team. And they, I don't know how they'll do, Um in the playoffs, but they have one of the best players in the world in Austin Matthews uh, losing to Ottawa. I would prefer to not lose to Ottawa, but the fact that you were able to fight back into that game 
is it's a pretty good. Um, and then the Montreal game, this is a game you should have won. Uh, that third goal to tie it up uh, for Montreal was a own goal by Adam Larson, a goal that he was trying to clear the puck and it went back into his own net. So I would have liked to win that game in overtime. I mean, in regulation, but uh, the fact that the team was able to bear down um, and Philip Grubauer looked incredible in that game. Uh, you know, his defenseman did not do him any favors uh, to go those seven shootout rounds and not give up a single goal was pretty fantastic. So we move over to injury news here on the 11th. The team plays forward Jonas Donskoy on IR in terms of team related news. I guess the only good news in terms of uh, players on the eighth of the month was that the Kraken extended for Jared McCann. It's a five-year deal worth $25 million total. Uh, A couple of quotes from McCann to see our fans every single night, no matter how we're doing that they're supporting us as a player. It makes you want to win for them. I believe in this city and I believe in this organization. So certainly some uh, words to get behind and, I think that if you're someone who has a Kraken jersey and you don't know who to put on it or you want one and you don't know who to get, I think Jared McCann is a guy that is, is I would consider safe. Um, I know that a few weeks ago when Ron Francis was talking about the trade deadline, uh, he said everything's on the table, but he was talking about extending McCann. That shows to me that you can say everything's on the table, but not necessarily. I'm sure that there's a handful of guys that uh, – they would like to keep in the Seattle. Uh, I think McCann, Yanni Gord, uh, Jaden Schwartz uh, are some of those guys that I would like to keep in Seattle. Um, everything else kind of is off is on the table. I'd say Philip Grubauer probably isn't considering he's got a six year deal, but you never know. Um, so McCann stat this season stats this season in 52 games. Uh, he scored 22 goals and added 12 assists, equaling 34 points. He leads the team in goals and points uh, with seven power play goals, 12 power play points, and 140 shots. On the ninth, we have a prospect check-in. Maddie Beneers uh, was named a finalist for the Big Ten Player of the Year. Michigan, um, oh, I think actually we had selection day, so we can check, uh, I think, um, NCAA men's hockey bracket um the men's bracket should be i think filled out i know that last time i checked a few days ago no it's not when is selection day huh well we can look at the final power 10 men's hockey rankings before selections which was oh i have an ad and i can't skip it Michigan. So Michigan is number four um, in all of college hockey. Very good. Um, And on the 11th, the team recalled forward Cole Lind from the Charlotte Checkers in a response move uh, to Jonas Donskoy going on IR. We haven't actually heard what that IR stunt is for. Uh, Just hoping for the best for Jonas and hoping that he can recover sooner rather than later. The Kraken sit at an 18 win, 37 loss, six overtime loss record resulting in 42 points. They still sit at uh, eighth in the Pacific division looking ahead. uh, Their next two games are at home uh, March 16th versus the Tampa Bay lightning at seven o'clock 
And then March 19th versus the Detroit Red Wings at 7 o'clock as well. Heading over to our OL rain here, I can officially take the preseason label off of the rain um, as their preseason ended with their last two games over the past week uh, in the Thorns preseason tournament, March 8th versus the Chicago Red Stars in a 2-1 to win. Player of the game would be for Ziara King, being involved in both of the rain goals with a uh, one goal and one assist. And then the 11th versus the U.S. Women's National Team under 23s, uh, a draw one-to-one. Player of the game would be midfielder Jess Fishlock, excuse me, with the rain goal. So I think what's most important to take from the preseason and from those games, right, excuse me, is that, okay, you got it? Okay. Um, is that the rain were able to learn a little bit about themselves. And because uh, that's what in a press conference a few weeks ago, that's what Laura Harvey was talking about was um, learning about yourselves and learning what we've got. Uh, that last game against the, the uh, women's national team 23s, uh, you saw a lot of the players um, that were newer um, and the younger players getting involved. I think it's really important, especially with, uh, not necessarily a chance like some preseasons, you know, like spring training, like the used to be for preseason games the NFL had, um, where you can really look at your roster and flesh it out. Uh, Challenge Cup, I'd say you can't really flesh it out. You could consider it uh, preseason, but it's also there's a cup on the line, right? So, um, uh, Laura Harvey, after the last match of the preseason, said that we figured out a lot about ourselves. So I'm hoping that is the real case. In terms of team-related news, perhaps the biggest news for the rain over the past week was that the team unveiled their newest kit. It is titled Honor. The rain unveiling their secondary kit for the, I think it's the next few years. Uh, the coolest feature to me is that the red and blue stripe down the middle of the kit features the names of rain players who have represented the team since its inaugural season back in 2013. That is really cool to me. And a lot of people have said so as well. Uh, the uh, tweet that was put out today about it from us here at Circling Sales Sports had incredible engagement. And everybody that uh, quote tweeted it loved it. So that's really cool to see. Uh, I have to sit down here and figure out what what players' jerseys I want. It's you know, not good for my money, but you know, supporting women's sports can never go wrong. In terms of league related news, the NWSL named its new league commissioner, former NHL executive, Jessica Berman replaces Lisa Baird, who resigned last year amid the sex, the scandal involving multiple league coaches. Um, formerly uh, Berman was the national lacrosse league's deputy commissioner and executive vice president of business affairs for the preceding two and a half years. She worked in the NHL for 13 years, firstly as a vice president and deputy general deputy general counsel, then as vice president of community development, cultural culture and growth and executive director of the NHL foundation. So I am not necessarily mad at the move. I haven't seen too many reactions to it, but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Looking ahead for our rain here, we actually have matches that matter for the rain now. Uh, this Friday, the 18th, uh, is game one of the Challenge Cup. It is the Lumen Field home opener. And who else to do it against but your biggest rivals, the Portland Thorns, at 7 o'clock. It is the Lumen Field home opener. 
It is the Challenge Cup 2022 opener. If you're in Seattle on Friday and you don't have anything to do or you're looking for something to do, head out to Lumen Field. Get your tickets now. Uh, you're su- there are multiple reasons to do it. One, you're supporting women's sports. Two, you've got it's it's pro soccer. Three, these are world class athletes. You know, these are two teams that are both going to contend for the playoffs this year. You've got Rain Originals playing their 10th year with the club. Megan Rapino, Jess Fishlock, Lou Barnes. You've got players like Bethany Balser who were tied, were, were up there in most league goals scored in the league and also won 2019 NWSL Rookie of the Year. Incredibly talented players uh, like Ziara King up top. Uh, Fallon Tillis-Joyce is, has shown great uh Sparks from what I've been told as the goalkeeper. Um, Sofia Huerta is world-class. I'm trying to go through the list here. You've got local talent, like now Nikki Stanton coming back. Olivia Vanderyat, who we interviewed. Uh, there's there's talent up and down the board, and there's multiple reasons to support. If, if you consider yourself uh, you know, someone who supports women, supports women's sports, if I don't see you in any of these rain games, I call you out on that bullshit. All right. So, uh, you know, CSS will be there. Don't worry about that. Um, but if you, if you want to support women's swords, come out and support the rain this season. If you've got something to do this Friday, uh, we should be getting the link schedule on Wednesday should be. So we'll see about that, but um, I, I got to see you out at these games. If you really consider yourself someone who supports women's sports. And if you're not from Seattle and you want to do so, if you've got an NWSL team in your city, go ahead, support them. If you're a Rain fan in a different city, it's okay. You know, I, I understand it if you go to these other games. So, you know, um, anyway, we'll we'll move it along here. Uh, to our Seattle Seawolves on the 12th, the Seawolves traveled to Houston to play the Sabercats in Aviva Stadium. Uh, Seattle would lose that game 19 to 21. Seattle would get a try late in hopes to try and uh, – in hopes to uh, get a victory here, but would not be able to do so as Houston was able to hold it off. Um, this is this is Seattle's third loss in a row after starting out three and zero. You know, granted, the first of those losses was to Austin, who's the best team in the Western Conference right now. You know, but you you beat Toronto and Utah in close games. You beat your rivals, San Diego in a close game. And in all those games, you know, you've got some things to work on, but it's a good start. It's a great, it's the best start in franchise history, you know, fact of the matter. Um, With that being said, those issues have not been cleaned up and they've all been factors in those last three losses. Granted now that these last three losses have all come with a low scoring differential, but something needs to change, you know, uh, you're third in the Western Conference now. You've got 16 points. It's not the end of the world necessarily, but things need to change fast. You're three and three, third in the Western Conference, 16 points. Your next game is March 19th at the Dallas Jackals, five o'clock. Dallas is playing in their inaugural year, and they're 0-6. If you lose this game, I start to become concerned, right? So uh, if I come back to you next week and our Seawolves are three and four, it's not going to be a positive conversation that we're having folks. So, you know, I, I, I certainly say that the talent is on the roster. It's just about making those adjustments, right? You, you've got a low scoring differential. I had a conversation with somebody on, on our Twitter 
you know, it's just got to make some of those adjustments. I guess on the broadcast uh, during the uh, Houston game, it was said that, you know, being in third place now or in these losses, you're out of playoff contention. I think that's a little uh, extreme. Um, but, uh, man, I, I, I got to think about it. You know, if you lose to Dallas, I, I, I think you, may, you might be in that territory. So, uh, no Sonics news, no Dragons news as we move over to UW. Um, nothing football related. In terms of basketball, the men's team began their Pac-12 tournament on the ninth of the month versus 11 seeded Utah in the Pac-12 tournament, winning that game 82 to 70. Player of the game would be Terrell Brown Jr. with 22 points, five assists, and four rebounds. That win meaning that the Huskies would advance to the next round of the Pac-12 tournament against number three in the tournament, USC. Uh, would lose that game 61 to 65. The Huskies put up a great fight all game long, but down the stretch, um, could not uh, could not finish. Could not finish against a good USC team. The Huskies had a chance uh, to give themselves the lead. I think with around 10 seconds left, might have been less. And the inbounds play that was drawn up was just horrific and i know that's been a big two of the biggest critiques of mike mike hopkins have been his uh his offense his offensive coaching and his lack of recruiting um and that kind of that one of those showed maybe maybe you could say both of those showed up in this game um usc is ranked 16th nationally third seed in the pac-12 tournament but this is a game that you you could have won Player of the game would be senior Terrell Brown Jr. with 23 points, five rebounds, and six assists. Um, so the Huskies men's team season is over. In terms of team-related news, Terrell Brown Jr. was named to the All-Pac-12 first team, uh, the conference leader in points per game and steals per game. So the Huskies finish out the season uh, in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, they did not get... Um, Oh, they did not get selected for the NIT. So their season is over. We will have a season recap coming for you next week, as well as for the women's basketball team. We're going to do a recap of both teams uh, this upcoming week. Um, ouch. Uh, we head over to baseball here, who played a one game uh, against Seattle U and uh, three games against Utah. March 8th versus Seattle U, winning that game 6-5 to five in 12 innings. Player of the game would be right fielder slash left fielder Cole Miller going 1-3 for three with two RBIs. March 12th at Utah, winning that game 6-3 to three in 10 innings. Player of the game would be first baseman Will Simmon, well, Simmon Simpson uh, going 1-4 for four with one run and two RBIs. March 12th at Utah, losing that game 6-7. to seven. Player of the game would be third baseman Michael Snyder going 2-3 for three with one run and three RBIs. March 13th at Utah, losing that game one to three. I think I'm missing a game here. Anyway, player of the game would be pinch hitter Cole Miller going 0 for 1 with an RBI. Um, so I know that in the end, the Huskies split that series uh, two games apiece. Let me double up on that. I don't like leaving that in. Oh, I don't remember. Um, head over to the schedule here. We're pushing a while here, so I want to get this wrapped up. Um, oh, it was. 
That's weird. It was three games. I guess I was right. Anyway, so the Huskies sit at a nine and seven record. They are ninth in the Pac-12. Their upcoming schedule is March fifteenth versus Portland at six oh five, March eighteenth versus Washington State at six oh five, and then three more games against Washington State nineteenth versus uh, Wazoo at five, March twentieth versus Wazoo at twelve oh five. Oh no, and then March twenty first versus Sacramento State at six oh five. I apologize. So a three game stretch against Wazoo, and then March twenty first versus Sacramento State. We head over to softball here, played uh, Robert Morris at home in the first game at home, and then three games on the road in the Colorado State Invitational. March 8th versus Robert Morris, winning that game 11 to nothing in five innings. Third of the game would be right fielder, such left fielder Angie Yellen, going one for two with two RBIs and a walk. Then heading over to the Colorado State Invitational, March 12th versus Northern Colorado, winning that game 15 to two. Part of the game would be shortstop Bailey Klingler, going four for four with four runs and six RBIs. March 12th at Colorado State, winning that game 6-3. to three. Player of the game would be shortstop Riley Holtorf, going one for four with one run, three RBIs, a walk, and two times being left on base. And then March 13th, finishing up the weekend versus Northern Colorado with a 9 to nothing win in five innings. Player of the game would be Brooke Nelson, going one for one as a pitcher with a run, three RBIs, and a walk. Uh, in terms of team-related news, infielder Kenzie Fielder, Fiedler, was named the Pac-12 Freshman of the Week, hitting uh, 500 over the past week with a triple, three homers, and six RBIs. So the Huskies are now ranked nationally fifth in the country. Uh, they sit at a 19-5 and record and ninth in the Pac-12. Their upcoming schedule is a three-game stretch against Cal, March 18th through 19th, through March 18th, 19th, and 20th. Uh, the first game at 3 o'clock, 19th at 2.30, and then 20th at 2 p.m. We do have uh, some men's and women's soccer tidbits. Uh, men's team got commitment from Omar Gray. He is a transfer from Cal State Northridge. He is a six-foot midfielder slash defender that is from Seattle. In terms of the women's team, uh, the team signed midfielder slash forward Kelsey Branson from San Diego, California. She is a three-star recruit on top drawer soccer. And then a women's hockey team tidbit. The uh, hockey team will participate in the Puck Place Market Tournament hosted by the Seattle Women's Hockey Club. Their upcoming games are March 25th at 3 o'clock. Clark? March 25th at 3 o'clock. March 25th at 9.15 o'clock. O'clock p.m. And March 26th at 1.15 PST. Those are all at the Kraken Community Iceplex. Whew. With that being said, it's been a long day, folks. Um, from recording a long CSS on Converge episode uh, to being full of energy for about nine hours um, to now recording this. So with that being said, um, it's, it's always good to know that you're providing the best coverage in the Emerald City in the Pacific Northwest of all of the Seattle pro sports teams, as well as nine University of Washington Husky teams, the best. Find me somebody that has the dedication and the coverage and the social media, the social media coverage, the podcast coverage, the weekly show coverage of all these teams. You won't find it. You won't find it. And every day I strive to find a way to crush our competition. With that being said, I have been Charles Hamaker. This has been the Circling Sales Sports Podcast. We will see you next week.
uh, for episode 137. Yes, that means there is an interview this week. Uh, so take care of yourself, be well, and we will see you next week on the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Baba Bowie.